Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's being driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. What happens when you spend an evening with a former writer for the Muppets? You get a conversation like this. The hilarious Jim Lewis joins us, and we cover a lot of ground. From his early days writing a magazine for the children's television workshop, Muppet Magazine, his work with the Muppets in general, but we also talk about disability inclusion and so much more. This is a wonderful conversation that I was honored to have. I hope you enjoy it. I'm grateful that Kirk connected us. Oh, uh, Kirk's a man. He's a great guy. And, uh, you know, just one, as, as you know, one of the all time talented and, and, uh, and incredible people out there. Just a, a good soul too. So, um, if anything Kirk asks for within reason, cause he's a little weird. Um, I'll, I agree to, so. <laughs> I mean, not to mention he was one of my earliest advocates when I started doing this show. Oh, I mean, really? Uh, I mean, oh, I've been doing an iteration of this show for over 13 years. Oh my but, God. But, um, the podcast iteration really started in 2014 and he mm-hmm. was one of my first guests that really you know okay. i you know i grew up having a disability and mm-hmm. really leaning on comedy and muppets and all this fun stuff to help me get through things yeah and he was the first person to or one of the first people to just get my sensibilities and stuff like that. So I owe a lot to him. Oh, that's that. Well, that's him. I mean, that's, he just, he gets it. And, uh, and I certainly know, I mean, my challenges uh, in life haven't been much compared to yours, but I know that, uh, I know what you mean about finding. I, I am currently surrounded by, Pictures of the Marx Brothers, the Ritz Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, Martin and Lewis, Abbott and Costello. I, I comedy is what has gotten me through through much of uh, much of my life. So I, uh, I I understand your your finding peace and solace and 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 uh, joy in it. And and if I've done anything from what I did, my God, that's just a that's yeah. That's a, Praise, so. which is part of the reason why I wanted to chat with you today. Sure. 
So this podcast is essentially just a conversation. So we're gonna get rolling here. But if you have if you have any questions, like feel free to like jump in and it's just yeah. a conversation that happens to be recorded. So oh, that's that's fine. I'm I'm yeah. Um, and now that I've been retired for a year, I I I could be much more honest. So. <laughs> I have nobody to nobody to please but myself. The tell all, the tell yeah, all well, book coming soon. I, as I said, I, I've signed so many non-disclosure agreements. I'm not sure I'm allowed to tell you my name. So um, yeah, it's it's been. Yeah, but I'm happy to within reason. <laughs> so for those that don't know you, could you kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit? of an elevator pitch of who you are and what you've done throughout your career. Wow. Um, I'm Jim Lewis. I uh, wrote for the Muppets in one form or another from about the mid eighties until last year, uh, 2022. And I was fortunate enough. I came to that because I, I worked in magazines and I worked in, in, you know, writing articles for various publications. I ended up being editor of Muppet magazine uh, in the mid eighties, which if anybody remembers, that was uh, kind of a physical, a uh, physical version of the, of the Muppet show where it was written in character and uh, Jerry Jewell and Bill Prady and Michael Frith and noticed that there was somebody out there who could actually write in the character's voice. And they were starting to do some videos. Home video was still really new VHS back in the day. Um, and so they needed somebody to come and do some of that. And I started writing for it. And then we discovered that all the characters lived inside my head. So that's kept me there. At, at, that kept me first at Henson and then at, later at Disney with a short stop in Germany along the way um, for the rest of my career basically and uh it's been a joy especially since when you work with the muppets you work with people like kirk thatcher and you work with people like well frank oz and dave goals and matt vogel and eric jacobson and i'm gonna forget somebody's name uh but uh you know it's you work with the same kind of troop of people over a long course of years and long uh, during the course of my career, I've worked with many of the same people or and new ones as they come in. And that is a treat that I know from, you know, being in the business of show, as Fozzie would say, uh, most writers don't get to do. They they go from this job to that job, from this show to that show. They don't get to be, uh, you know, basically become mind meld with with the talent and uh i had that opportunity and it's it's been a really long elevator trip but i'm ready you got stuck there it's okay <laughs> i hope i used up all my material in that first answer so that's there you go you know we're gonna dig deeper a little bit oh, so, okay so yeah. one of one of the things i wanted to bring up because one it predates me and i know nothing about it mm -hmm. and two I'm a computer nerd, so I want to know a bit about Enter, the thing you did for CTW. Oh, my God. 
there's this isn't going to result in an indictment or anything this this conversation okay um no uh you really did do some deep digging yeah i um i when i first lived in new york i'd I'd actually been a newspaper reporter for a while and then i moved to new york city for a variety of reasons and linked up with the great ira wolfman who was a and was and for many years still what continued to be at at children's television workshop and then what became Sesame Workshop. Um, Ira hired me to be part of that new computer magazine. Um, and I was part of a, a small but feisty staff that continued for as long as as it went. And uh, it really was my end to the, in a sideways way, into the world of Muppets. Because obviously when you work at CTW, you, uh, you, you know, Muppets abound because of Sesame. And that kind of from that, I slid over to Muppet Magazine. But yeah, I enter was in some ways ahead of its time and in some ways trying to figure out, trying to figure out what this computer stuff was going to be. So um, it, 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 I do have a complete set of them somewhere. (laughs) And it was such a cool, it was such a cool idea for me because, you know, Growing up, I mm-hmm. taught myself how to use the computer when it was already well into people's homes. Yeah. So to see this kind of way way into the computer world for kids really at its infancy was fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, and it was... I mean, it was so new. Nobody knew. I mean, I think about some of the the Coleco Adam. Um, uh, I, the big news was at, at IBM was going to get into the home computer field. You know, it was long ago enough ago that the Commodore, you know, and all of those tape-based computers <laughs> that people were starting to use back then were just happening. And I had no special background in computers, but uh, as a writing for a newspaper, I learned that if I can explain it so I can understand it, then the audience will understand it. And that was my job was to figure out what is this? What does it mean? And, and figure out a way to communicate that to an audience. So it was, it was great fun. And I worked with some great people there. And I thought that that might be a good kind of entryway because you don't you don't get asked a lot about that and I not almost almost never no that's uh that's really uh that's 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 a deep dive thank you (laughs) i like to cover the nuts and bulk of it and that was a part of your career yeah no and it like i said it it was what having worked there as an editor on that magazine when uh Muppet Magazine, which was not published by the Hensons, but by a licensee, Welsh Publishing, uh, when they were looking for an editor, um, you know, I went in and basically did my elevator pitch, and a faster one than I just gave to you earlier. But, um, and they kind of, they gave me a shot at it, and it really changed everything, because it gave me a shot chance to, well, it, it was the first time I met Jim, and in the first time 
I met, uh, you know, a lot of the performers, uh, even though we did everything with, you know, armature puppets in terms of the photo shoots and the stuff we did and, and a lot of, you know, celebrity stuff that we did um, over the, over the years I was there. It was, um, it was a, a real, you know, it was really, and enter resulted in Muppets resulted in what I did for the rest of my life. So it, it really was enter. Hey, boy, is that, I'm going to write that down for next yeah. time. Maybe, maybe you could, uh, break out of retirement and just write one last bit. <laughs> um, yes, obviously that led to Muppet magazine, which almost like, it's almost like a mad magazine for family. Yeah. So like that that journey was kind of longer. Yes. Oh oh yeah. It it was. Um it, it had started before me. I mean, it was I think in its third year when I joined. Um I think I joined at the cusp of the Cosby kids. That gives you an idea of how long ago this goes. They were just they were just getting fame and they were on there and they brought uh you know i came in and my job was to uh you know seek out come up with articles we break articles and then to assign whatever to there were obviously other writers uh uh, uh one of my favorites was the the guy who did rolf the dog uh uh wrote the book reviews as rolf because everything was written in the vo- characters' voices. Yeah, the whole idea was yeah, and it was uh, as told to. Um, and the guy who wrote that, David Granger, went on to become the longtime editor of Esquire magazine. And uh, he, for about ten years, he was at Esquire. And in fact, when he retired a few years ago, we had Rolf do a, a little video for him, saying, you know, he's he's welcome to come back and keep writing for him. Uh, you know, now that he has free time. So, um, yeah, that, that was, that was, it was interesting because I got to meet a lot of people from, uh, John Candy, who was a, a God, what a, what he was an influence on me in terms of meeting him and talking to him and, uh, Christopher Reeves, Danny DeVito, uh, Jennifer Connelly, of course, with, uh, Labyrinth, et cetera. And, and and all of all of those people uh that that was a treat but it also you know first introduced me to the to the uh to the performers and and to the people who created the the muppets the the workshop people who are still some of you know my longest friends good time so what was your day to day like working on that magazine because it's pretty it pretty much seems like you were never doing the same thing every single day. So, no, my day to day. Well, in addition to doing that, I was managing editor of um, the other publications they did. And actually, if it hadn't been for being at Muppet Magazine, Walsh also published, amongst other things, Barbie Magazine, Snoopy Magazine, um, which other? Oh, GI Joe. What other titles did they have? They had a bunch of. Um, I forget, I forget some of the other ones, but those were, those were some of them. And I sort of oversaw the other editors who were putting those together, uh, the other, uh, uh, the other people. So I helped to make sure everything, you know, was deadlines were met. So I was doing that as well. And if it hadn't been for that, the art director for 
one of the magazines, Snoopy, became my wife. She, uh, she, uh, uh, I would talk to her on the on the phone, and and she would, uh, we would, we we spent like a year where we never met, and then finally I I met her, and then after I left that job, and we weren't working at the same place, we started dating, and and we've been married for thirty three years. So funny how life works out. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's you know, and I I owe it all to licensed characters, which is really scary. You know, <laughs> we're just glad our didn't our kids didn't come out as a you know mix of Kermit and Snoopy. You know, so that would have been yeah, a yeah. oh, it would have been it would have been a copyright nightmare. Let's put yeah. it that way, at the very least. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is like there was this infamous photo shoot among fans. Yes. Um, with Weird Al, uh-huh. and he had never been seen on a Muppet property other than that until the latest uh, Muppet Mayhem series on, yes. on uh, Disney Plus. Yes. Now, what do you think? What do you think, as a former writer for the Muppets, would have been a fun vehicle for him? anything he's one of the i've despite not really having been around to work with him on any you know specific project i i have met him in passing and he's just he's what he he's what he seems to be and we could do anything with him he just is a giant muppet i mean literally in fact in muppet magazine we used to do a thing called uh called you know muppet lookalikes and uh he he would have been perfect i'm not sure who he would have matched but he 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 you know, he just looks like one of us, <laughs> one of them, I guess. Um, but gee, what would be a perfect thing? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'd pair him with Gonzo certainly, because they just seem to both not only have the same sensibility, but the same tailor. You know, I love it. Wear the clothes, same clothes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if uh, a Muppet show ever reappears which I'm still hoping some version of that, because I really think that is what the classic Muppet characters were created for, uh, you know, except for Kermit, who had been around, all Fozzie and Piggy and all them. I still think that format is the ideal format for the those characters. And I would love to see if I certainly would make him, if not the first guest, one of them, one of the first guests on the show, because he was... Uh, he, he's he's just yeah he's great he's just fantastic. Funny story when I was when I was twelve years old I used to frequent I used to call in to this children's radio show that would interview celebrities whenever they had new projects out and I I desperately wanted to talk to Weird Al so I'm on a, I'm on hold I'm on hold I'm on hold. Yeah, I finally get through them, and they go, "You're on with Weird Al." And as soon as they say that, I get so nervous that I hung oh. up the phone. Oh no! Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah. And then you hear him go on the air, and there's no record of this, but he goes, "Bob, does you like me?" Oh no! <laughs> Oh, how, oh, that's, yeah, that's one of those, oh, if only, you know, he's, he's still around. Maybe there's a time in the future 
that that you can you know that he'll yeah. make it we'll make it up Doug. so cut to years later i got to talk to a drummer oh. and i told him the story uh-huh. and he's like oh my god that's crazy like that's like a, what a book and you're you have yeah. that memory and now you're talking to me it's funny yeah you know what's wonderful is because sometimes you meet people who you know through you know what they do on screen or whatever and and they're not who they appear to be in the marketing and but it's a joy when you meet somebody who is that is that way Uh, that's why i i specifically highlighted john candy uh he oh yeah yeah he did a muppet magazine spot and he flew down for he was living in toronto at the time he flew down for the day just to do this thing. And um, he actually, uh, we sent him the large bunny costume um, that, that he wore in the, in the photo shoot. And um, he, we finished early. So he was going back to the airport and we had like a, a limo to take him to the airport. He goes, come on, I'm going to be stuck at the airport. Come with me. And I got to sit in a bar in an airport bar with John Candy for about an hour and a half and just talk and it was like i said it was life-changing it's just you know because i told him i you know i always wanted to be funny for money i wanted to make a living doing this he said you got to just jump on he said the worst you could do is fail he said just and then if you fail you get up and you try something else you try again and that was uh he just was one of my all-time favorite people um god i you know sad and i got to work with people worked with him on SCTV when we did Muppets Tonight. So, uh, you know, another bookend where, you know, uh, I just, I wish he was still around. So Comedy is so, it's a tricky thing. Cause now, now with, now with the world being so, you know, sensitive. Yeah. As it is. I, I'd like to know from you, where, how do you feel about um, disability-related humor? Um, it's a hard thing. If I understand the question, if I'm interpreting it right, it it's it's one of those things. It's hard to do it without it, it, if you don't have the you know some insight. You know, if it's done with a g- degree of love. Um, it, 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 you almost have to be on the in group to do it, you know, do that kind of thing. Uh, you know, even though um, my son is autistic, he's 28 and he is autistic. Same age as me. Okay. Yeah. He lives at home with me, with me and, and my wife. And, um, and you know, he's got the, the joyous thing is he has the soul of a, about a 12 year old. He is, uh, you know, just full of life. We went to Disneyland. It was like, you know, everybody's a big kid, but he really was a big kid there. And, um, you know, I, I know how sensitive I am more so than him about anybody, you know, hurting or taking advantage of, of them. So I think disability humor is, is just, I don't know where coming from your point of view, what do you, what do you think? I know I'm, I'm hypersensitive because of my son. No. Well, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I got sent a joke that someone, someone thought that I would find funny. 
Uh, and normally, I have a, I make self-deprecating jokes about myself yeah. all the time. Like one of yeah. my jokes that I always say is that I shit for what I believe in. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like great. that kind of stuff. But yeah, I heard this joke, and I was they apologized because they didn't uh, they didn't understand the no. context of the joke, and I explained it to them. No. No, it's 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 hard. It's it's hard to be sensitive, you know. Um, it, it it it's and something the and the fact is in these times it's almost like you can't you can't make fun of anything. You're so everybody's so worried about offending anyone, you know. It's and and I I think like you said, if it's self deprecating, if it's something that comes with you know, there's a a twist to it that is that is uplifting uh then then yeah but that's that, those are really hard to do that that kind of humor is is difficult um it's easy to go for the cheap you know kind of gross gag um that's one of the joys of being having been with the muppets is i never had to apologize for the comedy we were doing uh because i don't get some of the you know the more uh, just in your face, kind of make make you feel awkward and uncomfortable humor that's you know around. But I'm an old guy, so what do I know? I mean, I like I said, I don't get offended by yeah disabled jokes. There are some brilliant uh, comedians yeah. with disabilities that are out there, and people that make fun of themselves. Because if you can't laugh at yourself. Yeah. And if you can't make fun of yourself, then you're not living your life to the fullest. No, and it also—it's it's a you know—it's a—it's it, it, you can use it as a weapon, or you can use it as defense, or you could just you know. It also, if you're doing it like the self-deprecation, it makes people more comfortable. They're less, um, you know, because people are awkward around that. I see it with my son, um, frankly. I think my comedy gene developed because I was, uh, let's say I was large as a child. I was, I was, you know, extremely, I was the kid, the designated fat kid in my school. Um, and so I found humor was a way to, um, you know, blunt some of that and also turn it back on itself and not be the butt of the joke, but make the joke and get past it and make people comfortable. So, um, you know, there's, it's, it's got many good, uh, there are many opportunities, but it, it, even in the case of the joke you just said, um, you know, at least that person, once you told them understood, oh my God, I didn't realize what I was saying, or I didn't realize it was that offensive. I mean, maybe they'll see the world a little different because of yeah, that. Yeah, and they they already do. They already do. Yeah, so, and it's not like somebody said, "Oh, don't you have a sense of humor?" I mean, then you say, "Thank you, but I, I'll I'll not be talking to you again." They literally said, "Oh, that's what that means." Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not. Yeah. I I just I you you know I don't believe in the you know. I, I like I said, I'm sensitive to it, especially because because of my son. And I've seen people make fun of him and, you know, because he he is 
innocent in a, a lot of ways. Uh, but I, you know, I take umbrage at it. You know, I, I, I really have a problem with it and I, I don't put up with it. So. So you bring up a good point. A lot of the Muppet themes are about diversity and inclusion and Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because they're all they're all outcasts they're all awkward they all have they all have unique qualities has writing for the Muppet kind of helped you look at your son's world differently um yeah I would say so I mean I think it all goes back to um something Frank Oz said, which was that Jim Henson, he, he was an incredible talent himself, but he was, a, he was the great appreciator, just like Kermit. He was somebody that he would take, he would take the, you know, the wretched masses, the huddled, uh, you know, those who are not, those who didn't quite, were just quirky and off and he'd appreciate them and give them the confidence to do what they did. And that's what Kermit does with, you know, everybody who's around him, you know, Fozzie and Gonzo and, and, and the whole cast of characters. And, and that I think, yeah, that does inform my, my view of my son is that, yeah, he's not, um, he's not going to be, let's put it this way. When you have a child, you have an image in your mind which is almost always different from who the child will be but especially when you find out your child has a disability you're like oh what's life going to be like and you know i accept danny for and we make sure other do for who he is and that's that's the joy of it and that's that's the joy of 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 the muppets is that kermit accepts this you know crazy bunch of crazies for who they are and and encourages them you know uh even to the point of being you know um of of chaos and beyond for sure so totally switching gears because i'm curious we'll get yes. back to that because i thought of a sure. couple more thoughts on that oh yeah go but ahead some, but something that we've something that i never really heard you discussion other mediums is Muppet talk show appearances in the <laughs> ink and outs of that. Because one of the one of the pivotal shows yeah. of my childhood and it's a shock when I tell people is the Rosie O'Donnell show. Uh-huh. And the Muppets were on there a lot. Yeah. Like, I know you and Craig Wrote yeah, a lot of stuff. Like, what do you remember? What are your memories of working on a show like that, where it is more family friendly, but it's the Muppets in essentially the real world. That's that's. I mean, that gets to the heart of who, how the Muppets are Muppets. Um, there's a great story about when the when the uh, Muppets were brought over to Disney, um, and we had a big meeting with all the performers and all the you know, the puppets were in boxes. And and finally, one of the vice presidents, uh, I think somebody at uh, Imagineering said, when they realized that each character is performed by one individual, and that individual is essentially that character. Frank was Piggy, you know, it's 
Eric, uh, Jim, and then Steve, and now Matt are Kermit. Um, they are, they are the character, and this vice president says. So, in other words, we bought, what we actually bought without you guys is a box of cloth, boxes of cloth with ping pong balls, and that was the truth. They really are. They're not. It's not like they just do the voices. They really embody who the characters are. So, oh, that is one of my pet peeves. When, when people are like, go, oh, yeah, oh, they do the voice. No, oh, yeah, no, that's that drives me nuts. Yeah, that drives me absolutely batty too. And if it annoys us, you can only imagine how the performers feel. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, no. Uh, so, doing something with like Rosie or uh, Leno or Johnny Carson or anything where we we you're doing doing a live. What what Craig or I would do for the performers? Well, you you talk with the the producer, the segment producer for it, and you say, well, what it's going to be about, and they say, well here's what we're going to talk about. And then you give the performer an attitude of like, what's what, here's what I think Piggy's attitude, or here's what I think Kermit's attitude or Fozzie's attitude would be in this situation. And now here are some one-liners and, and they have all of these taped up to their monitors. And then it starts and we make it very clear to the producer and to the, you know, whoever the, the host is, we're not looking for to go by a script. It's d- treat them like you would any other guest. It's just, you know, if so, if a topic comes up and they have a, a gag that they can go to, they go to it. Or if an attitude is there and they have some, some jokes. So in those kind of experiences, it's really, it's the performer flying by the seat of his pants. And we're, we, Craig and I are, are basically the people who provide the pants. So, um, like, let's take Craig Ferguson and Pepe, for example. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. That must have been a crazy. Oh, uh, well, that's Bill. I mean, Bill, I was there when Bill, uh, Bill, Craig, um, not Craig, Pepe, come out, came out of a, um, of a workshop we did. It was, a, you know, I forget who, what that puppet had been created for, a version, an early version of it. And we were just workshopping characters for Muppets Tonight. And, uh, you know, we'd give them scenarios and they'd pick up a puppet and see what came of it. And Bill, you know, I wouldn't say Pepe was fully formed, but he was 98% there uh, to who he was. And, you know, I, you probably know the story that he based it on his wife's aunt yeah. who was in Spain and, and, and the way she talked and just not, 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 it wasn't her at all. It was just kind of her attitude where she, never never asked a question always made these statements as if you know everybody's going to go along with it so with bill you just you know uh because i love him so much oh yeah oh he's 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 genius he's just like one of those people that my god i don't know what we'd do without him uh he he really has uh and if he's listening to this you know Thank you for ha- putting me on on the Beretta Brothers podcast, which I, you know, is a plug. Um, he uh, he's just, you know, he just can fly by the seat of the pants with with the character. Um, you really don't give have to give him much to go with. You'll bounce. You know, it's it's always nice for a performer beforehand to bounce some ideas off of you. And certainly Craig uh, 
Shannon or I or whatever, we'll we'll put down some, you know, here's some things you could possibly say. I know, uh, you know, or Ryan Dozier also does does some of that, too. Now uh, that I'm gone, um, you know, you, you give them something to go with, but then they just take it where they want. And it's 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 them literally inhabiting the character, not only with their hand, but with their whole personality. Um, uh, can I tell a story, a Bill you story? Um, it's one of my favorite. We were doing the We Day uh, fundraiser and we were shooting some. There were varieties, celebrities wandering around the halls of the, the forum in Englewood in L.A. And Bill had Bobo the Bear. And we were there. And one of the celebrities was Charlize Theron. And if you're familiar with Bobo, he could be a little, you know, gruff and kind of in your face. Yep. Um, so we, we shot a little promo thing with Charlize and uh, and Bobo. And, and Bobo says, you know, Bobo starts saying to uh, to Charlize, so what are you doing after the show? And and she just looked at, at the bear again. When you're with the Muppets, you you don't see the puppeteer, even though they're right there. You look at the Muppets. She just looked at Bobo and she goes, are you hitting on me? And Bobo just said, well, uh, yeah, I didn't know. why. Did I have to ask permission first? And it just everybody exploded in laughter because it was such an honest thing. And it was something that, you know, Bill wouldn't do, but Bobo would. And 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 it was just very natural and funny. And uh, it was one of those those moments that just comes, you know, because they do inhabit the character so fully. So can you think of a time where a celebrity on a project with the Muppets mm-hmm. was, was kind of intimidated by them or the idea of working with a puppet and anything that springs to mind of like how you guys combated that or anything like that? Um, I don't want to tell any tales out of school. And I'm trying to think of my own experiences. I know there were some people, you know, that early on in the Muppet show and even previous to that, they you'd have to get them used to the idea. But I think the more people saw the Muppets interacting with celebrities, the less so. But most people, at least performers, you know, actors or even singers, you know, they they buy it and the performance of the character is you know even if like i said there if if the performer is right there and the puppet is just on their arm they the performer disappears i'm just trying to think of somebody who was especially uh you know kind of intimidated by it but in all honesty i i i can't pull a name out of my hat i remember kirk told me a story about like Nathan Lane being like terrified of working with a puppet. Oh, really? Oh, now that's that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to remember what. Oh, yeah. Nathan was on um, uh, Letters to Santa, and I wasn't. I did. I wasn't there for that shoot. But yeah, that, I. That's that's interesting. You'd think somebody with his stage presence and and his his character. That's so funny. I don't know. My favorite. The puppets are real. Story is goes back to the days when Jim uh Jim was on the Johnny Carson show 
and he was there talking to Johnny and uh, Kermit came out and the way Jim never did a obviously ventriloquism. He just put Kermit on his arm and he was, you know, Johnny would ask a question and Kermit would answer. And it was, it was great. And they went to commercial during the commercial, the, the boom operator, the guy with operating the mic uh, said, could you, could you have the frog talk up more? Because every time Kermit would talk, he'd move the can, the, the mic from Jim to Kermit, not realizing that the voice wasn't coming from Kermit. It was coming from Jim. He was just, you know, he'd so bought into that. And I just always loved that, that it was just the illusion was so perfect that even somebody who was there and a professional and could see it just bought into, you know, he, you know, just leave the mic over me and the voice will sound fine. So one of my favorite celebrities is to work with the Muppets. I mean, I, I, I didn't hear I didn't hear a lot of this live because it was mm-hmm. before me, but Arsenio Hall. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and of course that show has a monumental meaning in. Oh yeah. Because you the last interview. With last Jim. interview with Jim and 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 Kevin Clash. There was Clifford. And, I love uh, that appearing so much. I yeah no that's I mean obviously we we had no idea. Um. And, Were you and, involved in that? We thank oh, you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote a bunch of uh, the. What do you think I was a sponge? You know what? What were you doing before this? I was a sponge, man. Um, yeah, I wrote some of the some of Clifford's comebacks, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was I wasn't on the set for that, but um, yeah, that was that was really uh, yeah. I mean. Nobody knew. I, I, like I said, I had the, I had the, the distinct pleasure, and Kirk did as well, of working with Jim for those, you know, for a few years in the late eighties, and that was the very first script I wrote was uh, that they were doing was "Hey, you're as funny as Fozzie Bear" for the home video release, which was a bizarre idea that I still think was ahead of his time. It's very interactive. Yeah. But it, well, it was trying. Nobody knew what to do with home video. So we said, why don't we do this? The first 20 minutes will be a rehearsal. And the last 10 minutes, you put on a show with Fozzie. So it seemed like a good idea. Anyway, we're doing it with Fozzie and, and Kermit and, uh, you know. Um, but Jim and Frank were there. We shot it on over on 67th Street at the old, the original Muppet studio. And, um, and I remember... The, we were, they were going, Jim and Frank were going through the script and they asked me to come over and said, I was like, Oh God, what do they, what do they want? And they literally asked me, Jim Henson and Frank Oz. I mean, it's Mount Rushmore. And they just said, you know, we're thinking if, if we cut this line and go from here to here, it would work better. And that kind of defined my whole, and I wasn't even on staff then at the Muppets. I was just, you know, doing this as a uh, while I was still at Muppet Magazine, and the fact that they asked me that they didn't say this script stinks and get rid of it, you know, like some people will, who's just like I hate this, throw it away, do do it again. They were just very, uh, you know, encouraging and and open to my ideas, and you know, and 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 that I mean, I think more than anything impacted the way the way jim ran the muppets that was a a a perfect example of it 
where everybody's idea was good and, and Frank's attitude was the same. You know, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. I don't care who it comes from. And that they were just, they treated everybody with respect. And that was, um, that was, that, that kind of, that's why I never wanted to leave and why I never did leave until it was time to leave. I love the idea of collaboration. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, collaboration is good on any type of project, but I feel like with the Muppets, it's almost a given. Yeah, like, it has to. It's give and take. Yeah, there's. It's not like you hand a script in and they're gonna, you know. As Kirk and I say, we're 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 not jesters, we're suggesters, because you you basically create a blueprint and they amend and embellish and improve. And sometimes you have to push back when it's say, you know, you can't, we shouldn't do that because of this, you know, it, but it is very inner, it, you know, it, very collaborative in a positive way. And again, that feeds into the whole idea that I mentioned earlier of this kind of theatrical rep company that the Muppets are, that we are, um, you know, it, you have a shorthand when you've worked with people for that long that you don't, uh, you, you, you know, if you're on a single project, you kind of have to feel each other out and how open are they. But when you've been working together for years and on various projects, you kind of, you kind of sense, Oh, here's what you're looking for. I understand why you don't think that works. Here's another way of doing it. Um, that, and yeah, it's, it's, that's a treat that, that, that another joy of working with the, with the Muppets. So for sure. And my favorite experience of that, I think more than anything was not something for that we ever did for TV, but the, uh, the Hollywood bowl live show. Oh yeah. Cause we worked on that over the writers, Kirk and myself, and Matt and Matt Barnett and, and, uh, Matthew, I should say. And, uh, Andrew Williams, uh, you know, we, we pulled the show together from various pieces and trying to, you know, work out the theatrics of actually doing a live show. But then we spent a week or more workshopping it with the performers and it became a thousand times better. I mean, we had the shape of the show and we had the content of the show, but it, it really wasn't until we, you put it all together in rehearsal and had time to rehearse, which we normally don't have that kind of, unlimited time or uh, uh extended time to rehearse uh that it, it it you know you could just see wow it's it's so much better you know when everybody's on board and everybody's working together in, in unison it really is and then you guys end up doing the o2 shows yeah the o2 the show, which was a, a variation of that theme but you know that that and it, again it went back to where to my uh, my first love, which is, you know, as Fozzie would say, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down the pants, is you know the 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 it's you know it's silly, but it's worthy of us. It's just let's be let's just get a laugh and get on get off and bring on the next bit of nonsense. You know, I I, I am a fan of that kind of humor. Perfect, and. I like a couple of my 
dear friend, like Peter Link and Noel and all oh. the guys they worked on that. The oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a that was a a treat and. I remember the first time we did a live performance, it wasn't that. It was a fundraiser we did for Save the Children out here in Hollywood. And it was a, a version, a really ver- early version of what that became. But I mean, uh, not in content, but just in how we did it, where the performers are in black, there are cameras on. You shoot it like a television show, but you could see everything going on. You you don't try and hide the performers and people forget the performers that they are soon after, you know, after two minutes of watching. But I remember Dave Gold saying, I'm not, I, I don't do live. I don't. I, and then after we, because we were doing like two or three of the the shows for the, uh, the fundraiser, after we did the first time, Dave wanted to go on tour. He just loved the idea. He just was so jazzed up by having that audience reaction. Um, it was fun. It was really it it was it was great to see that transition for him. For sure. I mean, I hope I'm hoping that there's either a Broadway type thing in the future. Everything they're doing at Muppet Studio is the best spinning years, I'd say. Yeah, it's well. The first few years, Disney didn't know what to do with the Muppets. Yeah, and I think they'd be the first to admit that. And they kind of bounced them around, and then they gave them to other people to work with, and you know that worked for better or worse. But the more focus there is on letting the troupe do their work, you know, it has to be profitable. It has to be. It has to be reach as broad an audience as possible but rather than say here's the muppets you've done you did you know you wrote 12 episodes of charles in charge i'm sure you could do wonderful things with them trust the people who've been doing it for a lot of years yeah bring in fresh blood always refresh in terms of you know writers and 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 other other creative but also trust the people who've been doing it for years because they know you know they know who the characters are, and and uh, let's take them in new directions, and let's give them more to do. I mean, I think uh, Muppet Mayhem is a perfect example of that. I love know? that show. I love that yeah. show. Oh no, it is, it is, and that's a that's a Bill, uh, Bill, another Bill Beretta. He he nursed that for years, trying to get something like that, and it was uh, you know, it it's just it's getting the right team together and giving them you know there you know and 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 working with people who really understand what is the appeal of these characters uh once you get into the inner life of puppets i i don't you know i love the the i love the backstories i mean i know the backstories inside and out of each character and that you know what the performers tell themselves uh, you know, and I've I've written you know extensively on you know who is Piggy, why is she like she is, and um, y- you have to internalize that to figure out how to how to get the best out of them. That's why it's so important that the people who, like the performers, especially, but uh, people like Kirk and and all are involved who really do get it. So when I first met um, Bill Beretta, we we just had 
30 minutes because we were promoting the mayhem here. Yeah. And um, I will never forget how just kind he was. And we've been in touch ever since. Oh, yeah. No, they're, you know, they're these these guys are, are they're great. They're, you know, the other thing is you're famous, but you're not famous. I mean, Jim was recognized, but basically everybody else could walk down the street without being accosted. It's not like, you know, maybe if they held up their hand, they, they, people might recognize that. Oh, that's Kermit's infrastructure. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's a, there's a humanity. There's something about, um, there's something, uh, humbling about being working beneath show business as they do, you know, um, and, you know, and a, a lot of people, um, don't, appreciate you know it's they they really are they really deserve uh you know they deserve performance emmys and 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 uh things like that but we'll never get it because that's not you know that's not the way the world thinks of it they think of them as you know three-dimensional cartoons and that's not that at all who they are um you know they're they're really fully formed. Yeah, characters. they have they have a new nuance. And, yeah, yeah, and also they're you know it, I always my always pitch was they exist in the real world. They are standing next to you. You are talking not with somebody who's you know a walk around of Kerm of of Mickey. You're talking to Kermit the Frog, the actual Kermit the Frog when you're talking to him. And that's the the genius of it is it's it's live, it's it's uh it's it's in the real life and it's immediate. You don't have to render it later as a you you do with yeah computer generated. You're just uh you're there. They're there. Yeah. There you are there. And that's that's a that's something, you know, and I think they more and more taking advantage of that and i think that's you know i'm hoping as like i said i've i've uh i've retired but i know the the people who are there are doing a great job of trying to take do the most with that so well you know you left it in good hand they've got an amazing team over yeah and they didn't throw me out you know after all those years I figured, you know, I, I after a while, I felt like a barnacle on the bottom of the Muppet boat. But, uh, you know, they just couldn't scrape me off. <laughs> but no, I, I I enjoyed it. It was great. And, uh, you know, in in a perfect world, I'd be. Um, I, I might still be doing some some things, but, uh, you know, as life has handed me certain challenges at home, I've had to step back and and take care of that and that takes a lot of like tenacity too like knowing i need to do this for me yeah because a lot of people will work themselves to the bone and not care about their mental or physical or whatever they're going through that eventually destroys you i think um yeah no and i for me it was you know family i my wife has been ill for quite a few years now and she just needed me here and, uh, the, you know, the good thing the last few years with the good thing from COVID, uh, but the good thing was that, um, you know, I was able to work at home and do Zoom meetings and do all that stuff. But, you know, in the, especially, uh, in the last year as, as my wife's condition is, uh, 
gotten more difficult. Um, it, it just became, uh, it, 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 I really couldn't be as engaged as I wanted to be or as I should have been. So it, it was time and I'm old, you know, I'm, I'm old at this point. All my jokes, I've, I've used all my jokes and, uh, you know, I got to get new jokes. So. Well, you always have a vehicle here if you want to come back. <laughs> well, if you ever want me back or if there's somebody you're trying to reach out to and can't get in touch with, I, consider me another source uh, to the extent that they'll return my phone calls. But I'm I am I am thrilled. Any any, you know, one thing leads to another. All I ask is that someday and that day may never come. I may come to you for a favor. And then, you know, you know, when you're you're green lighting projects. You know, maybe you'll you'll throw one my way. So that would be nice. So on that note, when we started this conversation, we were talking about disability inclusion yes. and how I got started. So I want to know, because we're meeting for the first time, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, do you have any questions for me about my life or the podcast or anything like that? Let's have a conversation. Well, I guess... Um... Let me ask you the elevator pitch on how, how, you know, and, and, and I hope you your elevator isn't traveling as many floors as mine, but how, um, how did you come to start this, these podcasts? How did, how did that happen? And I mean, I think it's great. I just, I, I'm curious as to what, what, what brought you to here? Cause I think it's, you know, that's it. it. It takes a creative leap to to do what you're doing. Yeah. So the elevator pitch is this. I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a top 40 radio DJ. So mm -hmm. I started working for internet radio stations. Got fired from a few of them. Started my own radio show, four hours, four hours a day, five days a week, realized that was too physically taxing. Yes. Um, started a podcast where I, I was talking to people in the punk rock. Mm -hmm. I would talk to people anywhere I could get my hand on. Yeah. But those are the most interesting stories because they never get to tell their stories. Yeah, I interviewed a Muppet. I interviewed Noel McNeil. He was my first interview with, oh, with anybody cool. adjacent to children's television. He basically said to me, you can't commit to a weekly schedule. You have to start doing podcasts and make it yeah. easy for you. And yeah. everything then, that's what we've been doing. And that's, and that's great. And hopefully... Like I said, one thing leads to uh, another. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the late Gilbert Gottfried and the podcast he did. Oh, I loved it. Well, the guy who produced it for him, Frank Santa Padre, is a friend. And if you ever want to talk to him about Gilbert or anything, I'm sure Frank would love to talk to you. Um you know, it could, even if it's off the off off air, just, uh, you know, because uh, he, he he's in New York and he writes. He would know how to say Ron Kakama, not like Kirk, these California people. Um, <laughs> but if you would like, I can um, 
I could reach out to him and he'd be somebody I think would be not only helpful in terms of uh, the podcast world, but just, uh, you know, he was, I mean, talk about working yourself into a, a frenzy. He basically, you know, Gilbert would come on, but it was Frank who did all the research and Frank who did all the, uh, the prep prep and, and the post and all that. And, and he's a sensational guy. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you've, you've heard him because he's, you know, he's there kind of directing it, um, and, and, and doing it. But I, I, well, well, let's talk a little bit after we yeah end can, here a little yeah. bit after I stop recording and all. Sure. Let you know some stuff. Yes. Because otherwise I give you the email now and everybody in the United States is listening to this and the world will be contacting Frank. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> so, so to wrap this up. Yes, I think that's a great way. Destroying somebody else's life. Um, <laughs> so to wrap this up, what, are you, what have the Muppets taught you about yourself? Um, don't give up. People always ask, who is the Muppet character that you most identify with? And it's Fozzie. I I totally understand that. Fozzie, because no matter how bad his jokes are, and I'm guilty of that, and how uh, how many times he gets booed and and uh, gets the hook, uh, he never gives up. He's got a heart of gold. He's the when Kermit's about to give up, he's the one who bucks him up and and you know says we can do this, boss. And um, I think that's that sense of you know of persevering in the face of absurd odds is what the Muppets taught me and, and specifically Fozzie, but just, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's okay to be weird and, uh, it's not just okay. It's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, um, you just got to surround yourself with other weirdos. Then you don't seem as strange. Well, it's been such a joy just meeting you and, I think I made I think I made a new friend today for sure. Oh, absolutely. 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 Uh seriously, um I just I've got to outdo Kirk in some way because you know, it's competition between him and I. So so I'll 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 be trying to give you even better leads than he did. <laughs> I like that. Make it a contest. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for hanging out with us at the DJ Bob Show. If you like this episode, drop us a line at djbobrunkle at gmail.com. That's djbobrunkel at gmail.com. Let us know what you liked most about this episode and what other guests we should have on the DJ Bob Show. Thanks so much again for hanging out with us. This is Nate Beagle, your humble announcer.